You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's the oddest ball you've ever seen? And this is not Basketball Illuminati. It's Oddball. Oddball. That's Charlotte Wilder right there. Also an oddball beyond the show itself. Hey, great show for you today. Uh, It's Wednesday, Charlotte. So what does that mean? Word count Wednesday. The game where Charlotte doesn't know how to count. And Amin makes fun of her every single time. And doesn't know how to sing nor write lyrics that rhyme. Is okay, also I, on well, that list. first of all, I know how to sing. I'm just not good at it. Let's ah, make a little bit of a do, distinction. Do here. you? Thank you. Do you know? I know. I mean, I know how. Do you? La, 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 la. I'm going to guess no. You don't know how. I know how. Do you know how to get along with people, Charlotte? How about that? Do you have that? Yes. I do think that's one thing I'm good at. Okay, well, do you think Draymond Green has that? Is he good at that? Uh, uh, I, he can be when he wants to, but he, he doesn't seem to want to in the case of the gentleman over my whatever left or right shoulder this is, depending on if I'm mirrored or not. Well, I mean, you know what shoulder it is. It's, it's your left shoulder, right? Touch your left shoulder. There it is, see? That's how that goes. It's really easy, Charlotte. It's not like it would be mirrored, you'd be mirrored, but the image wouldn't be. Like, you guys exist in the same reality. I digress. Draymond Green, ladies and gentlemen, sat down with Om Young-Masuk of ESPN.com for a uh, a little tell-all, or I don't know, tell-all. They sit down. Uh, sit a tell-ish. Down. Yeah. <laughs> they did it at Michigan State, where both of them are proud alums. Shout-out to Om. I know that wasn't a mistake that he chose... East Lansing as the place to do this interview. And uh, they talked about, you know, a bunch of things, including the Warriors championship window and Chris Paul. Because the Warriors acquired Chris Paul in the offseason and Draymond Green, by his own words, was less than ecstatic about the acquisition. But then he thought about it. And now he has rededicated himself and refocused himself, Charlotte, to what? He said in this ESPN piece, I am now devoted to winning a championship for Chris Paul so he can get his first championship. I mean, this is the rudest thing, the rudest, nice thing I have ever heard in my I read that and I literally went, I was like, oh, my God, that is just just to say like to I'm I'm speechless at the levels that Draymond has reached. It's like he said, I hate that mother. Why are we getting him here? And someone said, hey, Draymond, think about it like this. If you win him a championship, he's indebted to you for life. You can never, you, can, you won't be able to say shit. You pulled him out of the trash and made him into a king or a prince or whatever. Like, that's the motivation that Draymond's running with. Not, you know what, man, this guy's a great player. And oftentimes, the guys that you clash with the worst are the ones that become your best teammates. He had zero of that energy. It was all like, I hate him. Although, I'd have a one-up on him forever. It's almost Larry David-ish, if you think about it. It is. It's a very Kirby enthusiasm. Oh, it is. It, it's totally, it's, it's, it's winning a championship for yourself to spite someone else. <laughs> For but like you're winning it for yourself and for them to spite them, like yes. it's actually brilliant psychology. I think for Draymond, this could actually work. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and maybe it could for the whole Warriors because they are, uh, in general, a team of aggrieved souls, people walking around with chips on their shoulder. There's a mention in the article about, uh, in the write-up about uh, Draymond keeping newspaper clippings, doubting them of their success in his locker. And he said he, got, he picked that up from Clay. Clay, who, by the way, is an avid actual newspaper re- reader. He's not printing this stuff out online or whatever. He's literally sitting down at his locker every day with the newspaper reading and then finding slights, cutting them out, and posting them up in his locker. Yeah. I mean, that's the least surprising thing. I was a little surprised that Clay was doing that. I feel like he, really? he tries to give up. Yeah, I was a little bit because I feel like he tries to give off this image of like, everything's cool, man. But then, I, well, that's not true because then he'll, in press conferences, he'll be like, but you all doubted every single one of us go to hell. So I, I do see it. But Yeah, no, I mean, because he's like, uh, I think he is that everything's cool, everything's chill guy up until you give him a basketball, which is like many yeah. basketball people. Uh, usually it manifests itself in coaches where you see coaches, you know coaches like, I know Tom Thibodeau, I know Stan Van Gundy, I know P.J. Carlissimo. All three of them, away from basketball, are the most delightful human beings ever. And they're funny, and they're relaxed, and they're like well-rounded. And then you hand them a clipboard, and they turn into maniacs. And it's just like night and day. And I think Clay Thompson is a little bit of that. Because remember, he was upset he was left off the top 75 list to the point where his right. teammates... Uh, made a joke jersey of him with the number 77 because there were 76 people on the top 75 list. Uh, he's also the one that when, you know, Devin Booker got the best of him uh, last year, the beginning of last year, he got ejected yelling at him, I got four rings, four rings, walking <laughs> all the way down the wrong way, uh, end of the court and having to walk back because, uh, well, because Clay wasn't here when they switched the Suns' locker rooms around because he's been gone for that long. Anyways, this is a story about Draymond Green. It's not a story about Clay Thompson. And Draymond uh, is, you know, he talks about the altercation with Jordan Poole and how uh, Tom Izzo was in contact with him every day last year in October, kind of helping him reset. Charlotte, did you find any of that interesting or uh, basically uh, unexpected? I didn't I, I didn't find it super surprising. I feel like Tom Izzo is the kind of coach where once he decides that you are his guy, he is you're going to be his guy forever. And I feel like a lot of times it seems like college coaches can play a role for NBA guys when they are in situations that really have to do with personal things. I feel like that's not uncommon for for college coaches to step in and be like, hey, man, like I've been here since the beginning. I know you very, very well. Um I thought it was sort of nice in a weird way. I mean, the whole situation was so bizarre, but I I was almost glad that there was someone in Draymond's corner checking in, being like, hey, here's how you get through this. Because as awful as what he did was, I also think that it can be very hard to come back from that. And the Warriors clearly need him in in both the basketball and you know heart of the team capacity which he really put at risk by doing that um did you think it was surprising at all that that Izzo was that involved no I mean if you remember we had Jason Richardson on you know he explained kind of why that Michigan State bond is so tight why the guys keep coming back and it is coach Izzo he's got that relationship with his players there are a couple other guys out there coach K obviously is one that Mm -hmm. jumps right out Bill Self uh, guys that kind of have John Calipari, obviously guys that have this thing of 
people come back and and this is a, a kind of a tight knit community. Jim Calhoun was like that at UConn before he retired as well. So, it, you know, Izzo definitely fits the bill of the guy that guys turn to. And it's funny because, like Jay Rich told us, you know, when they're playing there, it's like, why is this guy yelling at me and all this stuff? Right. But when they leave, it's like that's the guy they turn to uh, to talk about kind of, like you said, personal things, emotional things, things that I couldn't imagine them bringing up when they were players playing under them. After you leave, it's kind of like it becomes kosher. Right. I also think it's things that you might not necessarily want to tell an NBA head coach um, or someone involved in your active day to day. I think it's always really helpful to have a mentor who's not involved with what you're doing at all or who doesn't have an agenda or doesn't need something from you um, in a situation like this. But I mean, something you said this before we we got an air is that this seems like Draymond is thinking of this as the, the Warriors last gasp or or the Warriors, you know, they're they're in the home stretch here. And he was like, I don't see why we can't win another championship, which I thought was a little bit less of a resounding. Oh, I, he was I don't he know. was talking about two. He was talking about he wants Clay and and, and Steph to get to six. So it's, it's like he's right. like, like his short term plan is to win one for for Chris Paul. His long term <laughs> plan is to get to six for for him, Steph and Clay. So, I, I mean, I thought it was pretty ambitious. You know, yeah. I think one of the things that we're all watching out for is, is this going to work? Forget about the personality stuff. They could be best friends. I don't know if it's going to work from a basketball standpoint because Chris Paul is such a ball-dominant player, and the Warriors' offense is so built on the ball zipping around and bodies moving, people being very flexible about playing off-ball or playing without the ball. If you have Chris Paul out there, can he adjust to that style of play? Some people have suggested, oh, no, when Chris is out there, they'll just switch the way they play. But it's not that easy. I remember the Lakers, when they signed Gary Payton and Carl Malone, the idea was, oh, we'll run triangle uh, when Shaq and Kobe are out there. And then when it's just GP and Carl Malone, we'll run a pick-and-roll offense. And it doesn't work like that. It's very hard to establish a schizophrenic offensive system, particularly one that's as vastly different as that, one that is so motion-heavy like the Warriors offense, versus Chris Paul, ball-dominant, regular point guard stuff, unless you're going to play him at power forward, in which case then I think I think it works. You can throw him at the elbow and he can do all these other things. But I don't know if that's a very, a very reasonable thing to expect, particularly if Draymond Green's on the floor as well. Yeah, I think the statistic was that the, the Warriors' average time holding onto the ball was 2.6 seconds and Chris Paul's was like 5.7 seconds, which is a huge, huge difference. Um, I mean, how how long do you think that Draymond is going to play for, realistically? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. He's going to be 34 this year. He's got a lot of mileage on his body. Obviously, all those championship runs, those finals runs. And most importantly, like he, he doesn't have the best body to begin with. We're not talking about an Adonis here. We're talking about a guy who was drafted with knee concerns, who is slightly on the overweight side of things, who isn't explosive, doesn't get off the floor, and who plays plays bigger than what he is. He's guarding mm-hmm. centers. He's guarding power forwards. He's only 6'6". He's guarding guys who are 6'9", 6'10", who outweigh him and, and you know are bigger than him. There's a toll to all of that, and especially playing at the highest level like that where you do care every possession. He's an incredible defensive player. He's the best defensive player in the league by my estimation. And again, that... 
that's a tax. He's not getting nights off. He's not getting possessions off. So I'm wondering, he calls this the most important season of his career. I'm wondering like how much more he can give us at this level before his body starts to fail him. Yeah. I mean, he, he gives, he gives it his all when he's out there is one way to put it. Something else that he said that I thought was very interesting was he said, you know, after the Jordan Poole stuff, he was like, I had people calling me a cancer in the locker room after winning four championships. And I think that that, that to me was very, very interesting because it, it raises the question of like, can you be the glue of a team for four rings and then become something that's toxic or are people not understanding just how complicated the situation yeah. is in terms of obviously what, you know, what Draymond did was very bad. Is there though a way that two things can be true at once, yeah. which I always yeah, this tend is, to think that there this is. isn't a comic book movie. Bad people do good things. Good right. people do bad things. People make mistakes. Right. I'm sure if he could take it all, you know, do it all over again, he'd, he'd take it back or he'd handle it a different way. He made a mistake, but obviously his resume speaks for itself. I'm more concerned, Charlotte, that he cares. And that's the one thing over the last two, three years, I think I've, I've always felt like, obviously Draymond is in tune and he uses the motivation of people's words against him to his benefit and all, but this concept of him wanting to be a media personality and mm-hmm. rushing on microphone, and rushing, it's almost like, buddy, that's waiting for you. You're going to have it and you're going to be awesome at it because you're so smart at breaking down the game in a way that a lot of players can't. They just, they're not able to articulate what they're seeing on the floor from the defenders, from what's available to them. He does. He does an amazing job of it. But because of that, because of that, um, infatuation with media and being front-facing, I feel like there's a part of him that is becoming distracted by things that have nothing to do with the game. Who cares what they're saying? Your teammates know who you are. Your coaches know who you are. Go be that person in there. Win and take care of all that stuff later on. Well, I think doing being in the media while you're playing is dangerous for another reason, which is that being in in the media and having something take off, there's a dopamine rush. Like when he was recording podcasts after that 2022 finals run and they were shooting to the top of the charts, like you, there's a, there's a psychological thing. It's like, you know, when people get (laughs) addicted to social media because you get all these likes coming in, like he, he was getting such attention and validation that I think it, it can be hard to unplug from that. It can be hard. He's like, wait, I can have both of these things. Like, I can have I can have the the top podcast and I can be playing in the finals. Why can't I keep that going? Yo, as someone who's had a top podcast, man, let me tell you right now, it ain't all that. It's all right. Yeah, we know that. I mean, I'm saying Draymond okay. might not have gotten there. Yet. Um, this me, this is my plea with him. It's okay. You know what is great? The ability to count to ten. Charlotte, show me them fingers. Okay, there you go. Those are ten fingers. Word count is up next. Have you ever wondered if Chet Holmgren might be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln? Or if a UFC fighter could beat an alien in a fight? You might have not, and that's okay. But Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion from the Six Trophies podcast have. If you love basketball, and more importantly, if you love fun, 
you've got to listen to Six Trophies, where Shay and Jason serve up the biggest moments from around the NBA with their brand of unbridled joy, banter, and pop culture side quests. Each week, they hand out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Stuff like the Denzel Washington in Training Day trophy, given out to the player or team having the best week around the NBA. Or the Lauren Hill you might win some dot dot dot, but you just lost one trophy. For the team or player that just can't get it together. Plus a bunch more trophies for all the good, bad, or just plain head-scratching moments around the NBA. This playoff season, you'll want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, Charlotte's got this pit in her stomach. It's bubbling. She's nervous. She's sweating. She's hyperventilating. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? It's math class, and the teacher's about to call her to the board. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another fun-filled edition of Word Count. Charlotte, what does your background say? Can you bow your head down so we can see? I do kids learn count. Got it. Grammar also is on that list of things that Charlotte's not great at. I think you just nailed it, though. That that really, I think that's why I clam up, because they, in school, they'd be like, do a math problem, and putting me on the spot with math, it's really... Or geography, or anything. Or, or yes, exactly. Or grammar. Uh, this is well, the game no. grammar, where we read. This is half the sign. Come on. We read a question, and the other person has to answer the question in ten words or less, and you'll know how many words it took. How Charlotte? How will they know? Because we put our hands up and we count. Yes, like <laughs> uh, like the dad in Friday, John Witherspoon, saying like, "You win some." You lose some, but you fight another day with these. All right, here we go, Charlie. Look you ready to cool go? Look how cool this looks. Look how cool this looks. I thought you were giving me the finger again. No. Um, what makes someone a good teammate in today's NBA, Charlotte? Willing to adapt to what team needs and nice guy. <laughs> All right. That's 10 words, I guess. I didn't give a why. Uh, they never asked for why. It's just what oh, makes good. it. Yeah, so you're on the hook on that. What does willing to adapt to team needs mean, by the way? Well, it's sort of what we've been talking about with Harden, where he was like, I'll, I'll quote, sacrifice. I'll do uh, what the team needs in order to, you know, he's a superstar who wants to put up big numbers, but he was like, I'll, I'll do what I got to do here and, you know, actually pass the ball. All right. There's your explanation right there. All right. Uh, Amin. Why do players like Tom? Okay, here's a question. Okay. Thibodeau, Thibodeau, what's the deal? He says it's Thibodeau. That's how he pronounces okay. his own name. But I have a long-standing philosophy that, like, if your name is clearly from a certain region of the world, like, I, I feel bad mispronouncing it. It's like Christian Pulisic. I don't care how yeah. he says it. I don't care if he's from New Jersey or Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, wherever the hell he's from. Your name is Pulisic. Your family's Croatian. It's Pulisic. Right. Like, same thing. Tibbs. By the way, his nickname is Tibbs. His name's yeah. Thibodeau, but he pronounces it as Thibodeau. So you can say Tibbs. How about that? And then cut those. Okay. Why do players like Tibbs so much? Ooh. Do they? The, one, the ones that do are because straight shooting. 
Oh, yeah. care to expand? Yes. So <laughs> I think there are a lot of players that don't like Tibbs for the same reason yeah. there are a lot of players who like Tibbs. Because he's a straight shooter. He doesn't <laughs> He's about the work, and he gives it to you real and direct. Players like Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, Derrick Rose, like those guys love that. They love being coached and coached hard and coached directly. You're not doing something up to the standard? Tell me. Let me know. Let me get it done. Other players, Cam Reddish would be one that comes to mind, don't respond well to that kind of coaching. And so they're like, to hell with this guy. Carl uh, Anthony Towns is another one. Andrew Wiggins, I would say, is another one. Those guys are looking for a little bit more of an arm around the shoulder rather than a, a pat on the butt. And, and Tibbs is kind of a pat on the butt guy. But, like, the, the real talk is that, you know, Tibbs is, Tibbs is raw. Tibbs is going to coach you. And if you're not prepared to get that, like, that may not work for you. But for guys, it does work for. That's okay. pretty good. Good answer. Thank you. Charlotte. If you're yes. a rookie, what team do you hope drafts you and why? Caleb Williams from SC. I've seen him in the mm-hmm. Wendy's commercial a billion times at this point. You know what? Maybe this NIL thing is a bad idea. But Caleb Williams' dad said if they don't like the team that has a number one pick, maybe Caleb comes back for another year at SC because he's making all that Wendy's NIL money. Right. So, Charlotte, if you're a rookie, yeah. what team do you hope drafts you and why? San Antonio mm-hmm. Spurs, because great player development and pop. I don't know if I want to go to San Antonio. Yeah, I know. I don't either. I mean, I guess the answer is like L.A., Miami, New I York. Don't, no, well, I, I don't. I definitely don't want to go to L.A. Like L.A. is no. New York is no. Like for me, I would say I would say. Miami. Wait, is this? Hold on, mm-hmm. Hollywood. Is this? Is this like where would I want to be drafted to? The, if you're a rookie, what? Like, come on now. But I was. Is this like if I'm an actual? Like, if I were an actual great NBA player, or if I'm Charlotte Wilder? If I'm an NBA player with Charlotte Wilder's brain. You're an NBA player with Charlotte Wilder's brain. Oh God! Well, God help them. Is all I have yeah. to say. Um. Uh, I'd want to go to New York because I live here. I, I I love the idea of Charlotte being an uh, Charlotte being an NBA player. With her brain is an NBA player's uh, head or whatever, and like in the middle of a, like a playoff game. Guys, why is everyone down? We're up seven. Like Charlotte, we're down fifteen. Like ah, math. Yeah. Or I'm just like, why do you guys care so much? Everything's great. We make a lot of money. <laughs> we make a lot of money. All right. What do you got for me? Who is the closest comp for Allen Iverson in today's NBA and why? Ja Morant in so many ways. (laughs) Style on off court. Just just barely snuck it in there. Yeah. Yeah. Snuck it under the Wire. Ja, ja is slender, not necessarily the biggest dude like Allen was. Ja, super fast up and down the floor with the ball in his hands. Ja, I think, is a great player who makes his team better every time he steps on the floor. He leaves it all out there. He plays hard. Also, Ja, questionable decision-making off the court. Although, a really good guy. Like, he's not a bad guy. Like, everyone said Allen wasn't and isn't a bad guy. He's a great guy. He's a great teammate. All that stuff. It's just sometimes, hey, man, like you wish the decision making was a little better. Yeah. All right. 
All right, last one for you, Charlotte. What non-rookie hasn't lived up to his potential quite yet, and why? So we're, we're rookies, I guess, from last year are out. So Paolo Bancaro's class, those guys don't count. The guy who hasn't lived up to his potential quite yet, and why? Okay, um, Lamella Ball. Okay, because and why? He was hurt and supposed to great. Cheese? He's like, you were supposed to be, this should have been shredded mots by now. What are you doing? I was hurt. What did you yeah. want me to do? That's a good answer. I guess so. If you needed shredded I mean, mots and you didn't get it. You shredded no, your I own mots? Yeah, I got, I got the shredded cheese joke. Um, all right, well... I was about to say that was about the show, but that was word count. No, it's not, because you still have to read one for me that I have to do. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, this, this I can't even count great. the questions. What's one NBA game rule you'd like to get rid of and why? Coaches' challenges takes too much time. Way too long. Oh, oh wait, I, wait, I got four more words also. And instant replay, too. Get it all out of here. We're wasting everybody's time. Nobody wants to watch people watch TV. That's what that is. Hey, let's watch. You want to watch three men or you know two men and a woman watch watch television? Like, no, nobody wants to watch that. It takes them so long. Look, if we what the hell just happened? What no? happened? That didn't happen to anyone else. Okay. You that's, could. That's word count. <laughs> I know when to bow out. I'm sorry, Secaucus. I'm sorry, NBA. <laughs> It went blue. You guys didn't see that? Everything went blue. Nope. Are you having? I, I don't know. Are you good? I think Adam's getting to me. Thank you so much for watching Oddball. We've been in Las Vegas for four and a half months. The multiverse is terrifying. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.